Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. Sorry we have a little bit of a late start this morning. Uh, welcome to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. We're going to be continuing our series this morning on talking about experiencing the blessing of God. Uh, we are in week four. I'm going to have at least one more week on this, possibly two. So we'll see how we do next week uh, and how far we get uh, there. Uh, just so you know, you can, all of our teachings are archived on our website at LighthouseDiscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And just so you know, uh, you can also uh, partner with us in our ministry. We thank you for those who have. And you can find out all that information on our uh, give page on our website, LighthouseDiscipleship.org. Uh, we will have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack. I know we've taken the last two weeks off, have we definitely done that? We just needed a little sabbatical here. We've been uh, sharing that. We've been burning the candle above the ends for uh, actually several months here. And so we just uh, just need to take a little bit of a break. So, But we will resume tonight at 6 o'clock on Effortless Change, and then also Wednesday night at 7 o'clock on the Believer's Authority. So sorry for that uh, unexpected pause, but we had to take a little bit of a break. So we're, we're back in the game here. We're back, and we'll be back in Bible studies starting tonight. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump to our message this morning. We're talking about experiencing the blessing of God. And so in talking about experiencing the blessing of God, <coughs> excuse me, we've been looking at, we're looking at three different categories of this blessing. Uh, we looked at the first two weeks about the covenant of blessing. And then uh, we're, we've been looking at starting last week and continuing today. We're talking about the priestly blessing. And then starting next week, we'll be looking at the commanded blessing. Okay? So we've been looking at these three. Let me recap what we've covered so far. Uh, the last, the first two weeks, we talked about the covenant of blessing. And in talking about the covenant of blessing, we've looked at how God blessed Adam, how God blessed Noah, how God blessed Abraham, and his, uh, his offspring, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We looked at how God made a covenant of blessing to each of these six men. In other words, in the book of Genesis, the book of beginning, that's what the book of Genesis means, and, and, and God blesses people. All six of these men in the book of Genesis that we uh, call, at least Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we call the patriarchs, but even with Adam and Noah, God blesses people. God bless. That's how God did things. And all these people, uh, except for perhaps Adam, God blessed them before, after the fall. You know, and there was still blessing on Adam after the fall. But at the same point in time, God made a blessing on his people. That's how God treats his people. You know, when God started all things, that's how he treated his people. And we are in a butter covenant here in the New Testament. If that's how God treated his people in the old covenant, how much better are we in the new covenant? We also, in our very first week, we took a very uh, long look at Proverbs 10.22, which says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Now, the, when we're talking about the blessing of God, the blessing of God is not all about finances. At the same point in time, the blessing of God does not exclude finances either. Okay? It's, again, it's not all about finances, but it also doesn't exclude finances as well. Okay? What you believe connects with what you receive. We've talked about that. We also talked about how God wants us to work. Some people think that we're blessed that we don't have to work. No. We are not saved by our works, but we are saved, we are saved for good works. We're, Jesus said we are to occupy until he comes. Jesus, Paul said if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. 
about you, but I love to eat. And God wants us to work and bless the work of our hands. One of our favorite verses, Sherry and I, is from Psalm 9017 that says, And the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You can't establish the work of your hands if you don't if you're not doing anything. You know, when we talk about the blessing of God, and whether there was one thing I'm trying to bring up, we're not talking about complacency. We're not talking about laziness. We're not talking about uh, uh, being just being passive. At the same point in time, the blessing of God is not dependent on our work. It's dependent on God. There's a lot of people who work hard and are still poor. They're still struggling. Okay? So it's not, we're trusting in God, not what we do. But we are also not just sitting by and, uh, and, and you know, and, uh, until the cows come home. We're doing something. We're occupied until he comes. I'll bring out some more scriptures about this in just a moment. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, <coughs> verse 18, we also talk about how, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he, God, who gives you the power to get well, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. What fathers? Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Okay? God swore. God made a covenant. And so God says, he will bless the work of our hands. Let me go back here real quick. That he may establish his covenant, which he made to our fathers. God wants you to, God not only gives you, he doesn't give you the wealth directly, which I'll talk about in just a second here, but he gives you the power to get wealth, okay? We also look at Deuteronomy 28, verse 8, 8, where the Lord will command, and we'll look at this a little more starting next week, but the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouse and in all to which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. The Lord said he would bless all that we set our hands to. However, if we are not setting our hands to anything, a uh, hundred times zero equals zero. A thousand times zero equals zero. A million, a billion, a quadrillion times zero equals zero. Okay? But God says he gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with you. God does not give you wealth directly. God gives us power to get well. God blessed Adam. God blessed Noah. God blessed Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph by covenant. And we also look at this. You know, this is Old Testament. Some of you can say, well, that's all fine and dandy, but we're in a new covenant. Well, that's why we talked about how because God blessed all these people, especially Abraham, the scripture also teaches us, Paul taught about this, and we'll look at this real briefly here, and how because God blessed Abraham, God blessed Jesus. Because God blessed Jesus, if we are in Christ, we are blessed. Okay? So we're all blessed. In Galatians chapter 3, where Paul talks about it primarily, but he talks about it in other places as well. But anyway, in Galatians chapter 3, we talk about how in the scripture, foreseeing that the God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Um, let me just rephrase it. It's a covenant. It's our new covenant. It's a, it's the, go the gospel is the new covenant. And God preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. How about, I don't know about you, but you and I are part of these all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Are you of the faith? then you are blessed with a faithful Abraham. We went on to read in the same chapter, <coughs> Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. 
verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promises of spirit through faith. This is awesome. This is becoming more and more one of my favorite verses, is that the blessing of Abraham might become upon us, the Gentiles, in Christ Jesus. If you are born again, you are blessed. If you believe on Jesus, you are blessed. You are blessed with believing Abraham. We have a covenant blessing that we inherited in Christ. Why? Because that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. And Paul concluded the chapter, chapter 3 of Galatians, saying, If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I don't know about you, but I'm born again, and I'm of the seed of Abraham. I'm of the seed of Christ. I'm born of God, and I am blessed. I have a covenant of blessing with God. It's by covenant. And then we began to look at last week about the priestly blessing. Okay, and that's where we're going to continue on this morning. But let me recap a little bit from last week. We started off by saying in Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5, <clears throat> I love this chapter where it talks about Jesus after he went to the cross, after he ascended on high. He took the scroll from the, the, his father's hand, and it said that the, the heavenly host began to sing a new song. Verse 9 here, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Verse 10, And have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. We went on to look at it in 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll look at this even more today in the conclusion of our message, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you, that you may proclaim of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are a priesthood. In the Old Testament, under Aaron, the Levites were a priesthood. Okay, we have the high priest, but we also have the priesthood. In the New Testament, Jesus is the high priest, and we are a priesthood of believers. Okay, we're going to look at that a little more uh, in detail when, uh, at the conclusion of this message today. Okay, so I'll come back to this. So we're talking about the priestly blessing. Okay, and in talking about the priestly blessing, last week we also talked, we went to Deuteronomy chapter 10, and it says, and at that time the Lord... <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord separated the tribe of Levi, that's the priesthood of the Old Testament, to bear the ark of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. So we look at there was three responsibilities of the priest in the Old Testament. The Levitical priesthood. And they were to bear the ark of the Lord, they were to stand before the Lord to minister to him, and they were to bless in his name. Okay? We also talked about how, with this in mind, that ministry starts with us ministering to the Lord. As priests, kings and priests, our first job is to minister to the Lord. See, in ministry, we minister to the Lord first. We minister to one another in the body of Christ and the family of believers of the family of God. And then we also, we take that ministry and we minister to the world. Some people focus on this first. No, you minister to God first. We minister to one another and then we collectively minister to the world. That's how God has instituted it. 
I can teach us, I can teach this, I can make a whole message out of this, uh, uh, this, this, this principle. We need to reach the world. But we start with ministering to the Lord. And then we minister to one another. Jesus said, that by your love for one another, the world will know that you're my disciples. Jesus prayed in John 17. He prayed, Lord, Lord I pray that they would be one, that the disciples, we are disciples, that the world will know that you sent me. Our, our number one evangelism to the world is how we, in the body of Christ, treat one another. I have seen so many people not want to become a Christian because of how they see how Christians treat Christians. Our number one evangelism, you can either win people to the Lord by how you treat one another, you can also scare people away from wanting to be a Christian because of how you treat one another. We minister to the Lord first, and then we minister to one another, and then we take it to the world. Okay? You're going to have a very hard time winning, winning the world. I, I spelled world wrong. <laughs> but it, 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 it can be a, a hard time winning the world if you can't treat your fellow man right. That, I mean, that's just wrong. I mean, John makes it hard. You say you love God, but you hate your brother. And you do see, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. That's wrong. John calls anyone who says they love God but hates their brother a liar. Okay? He, he, John doesn't hold any punches back when he talks about this. Okay? Going back to Deuteronomy. The three things that the priests were supposed to do. Bear the ark of the Lord, stand before the Lord and minister to him, and to bless in his name. And based on this last phrase, we went to Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Most of your Bibles will have a subheading called the priestly blessing. This is the priestly blessing. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron. He was a high priest. He was the first great high priest of the Old Testament. And his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them. What are we supposed to say to them? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall my name, so, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So as we talk about the priestly <coughs> blessing, we have looked at this verse, these verses actually 24 to 26, there's actually three verses here in this little, this little paragraph of how we are to bless the people. And we take it as piece by piece, and we're going to recap what we covered so far, and then we're going to get into the last part that we didn't cover uh, today. Okay? So the priestly blessing. The first thing is we're supposed to do is that we are supposed to say, I, we're supposed, and where God says the priest, and we are priests in the New Testament, we are priests, we are the priesthood of God, the priesthood of Christ, and we... He says, we want to say, the Lord bless you. As we kneel before the Lord, he speaks a blessing over us. We are blessing him, but he is blessing us. You can't be in God's presence and not be blessed. Okay? Just by being in his presence alone will be a blessing. God is blessing us. As we're blessing him, he is blessing us. And he's causing us to be blessed. And we receive a blessing in his presence. And then we take that blessing and we share it to the world. Okay. Going back to Abraham real quick. And I will make you, God says Abraham, or Abram at the time, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I'll come back to some of this a little bit later. 
and you shall be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We are, we're talking about experiencing the blessing of God. We are blessed, but his purpose in blessing us is so that we would be a blessing. Okay? But because our purpose in being a blessing doesn't mean that we are not blessed too. No, we are. You can't give something you don't have. You can't bless others if you're yourself not blessed. See, you're blessing God. God is blessing you. And you are blessing others. Everyone's blessed. Everyone wins. Okay? And so, he blesses us to be a blessing. He says he gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant. I keep picking back on this because I love this. We're, we, I'm connecting in some ways the, 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 the covenant of blessing and the priestly blessing. <coughs> okay? In other words, he blesses us to establish his covenant. And he establishes his covenant with us first, and then we establish his covenant in the earth. Okay? By blessing one another. He says, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If we're blessing all the families of the earth, we are establishing his covenant in the earth among all nations, among all families. And then we talked about the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. So the priestly blessing is to say, I want you to say, the Lord bless you. But the priestly blessing is also, I want you to say, the Lord keep you. Okay? Again, going back to Abraham real quick. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I am your shield, and exceedingly great reward. Seven times God came to Abraham with a blessing. Okay, I think it's seven, maybe even nine. But it was at least seven times. But in this, this time, in, uh, in Genesis 15, he says, he, he says, I'm your shield, and I'm your great reward. He brings the blessing, but he also protects the blessing he brings. How many know that God can protect what he gives you? Okay? We do not have to fear like the world. Right now, all over the world, the world is going crazy. Okay? And Jesus said it would be like this. Paul said it would be like this. All the apostles, John, James, Peter, said it would be like this. Jesus said many hearts will wax cold because of things coming upon the earth. COVID and different wars. I believe we are in the middle of a World War III. It's a different kind of world than any world in all history. Okay? Maybe a shot is not being fired in most cases, but at the same point in time, it doesn't mean there's not a war going on. There's a lot of political stuff going on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be political this morning, but I'm saying we do not have to fear like the world. We're different. David, when he came on the scene of Goliath, he did not fear like the rest of the, his own countrymen. His own brothers, his own king. He was different. He had the same covenant relationship with God that King Saul, his brother Eliab, and other people had. But he acted different because he believed God's covenant. And we do not have to, we do not have the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We are the people of God. Okay? The blessing of God enables you to, to abound even in famine. We saw that with Isaac. We saw that with Abraham, that even in the Mon, Mon famine. We saw that with Joseph. Even though he had nothing but a loincloth, he, no, he had nothing with him. He was blessed. Jacob was blessed, even though Laban took advantage of him ten times. No matter what's going on around you, even the people are betraying you, taking advantage of you, wanting to kill you and destroy you, you 
The blessing of God enables you, despite what's going on around you. <coughs> they couldn't, they, you know, the, Joseph's brothers could not kill the blessing. They tried to put him in a the pit. They sold him. He went to Potiphar's house as a slave. He was blessed. They put him in prison. He was blessed. Wherever he went, no matter what he touched, he was blessed. Same thing with Jacob. Laban tried to change his wages ten times. No matter what he did, he was blessed. Isaac was blessed. So much that the Philistines envied him. A whole nation envied one man. Because he was blessed. Okay? When the world is running in fear, we can move forward by faith. We're different. We're not of the economy of the world. We are the economy of God. And it's different. Okay? This reminds me again of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my protector. The Lord is my guard, my savior. He's my deliverer. He's my God. You know, for crying out loud. And so we're talking about the Lord bless you and to keep you. And the third thing we look at is the Lord make his face shine upon you. So I want you to say, the Lord bless you. I want you to say, the Lord keep you. I want you to say, the Lord make his face shine upon you. Okay? We look at this word shine, and it means our, it's pronounced our, like O-U-R in the English language, but it's O-W-R in the, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew, and it means to become light or bright, to shine, to make to shine, to set on fire, or to be glorious. The Lord causes you to be a light. Are we not the light of the world? Are we not the, the salt of the earth? The Lord causes you to, sh to be a light. We have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of his dear, dear son. We're going to look at it in a moment in, in Peter, but in Peter we, uh, we we have been translated to his marvelous light. Okay? We are people of the day, not the people of the night. The Lord causes you to be a light. The Lord causes you to shine. It reminds me of a song I used to sing, Shine, Jesus, shine. You know, God wants to shine. He's light. He's the light of the world. We're the light of the world, he said in Matthew and the Beatitudes. The Lord causes you to shine. Genesis, again, going back to Abraham. Abraham. God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. We don't focus on that phrase a lot. We get right back to the blessing, which I have done so myself. But God even said it. God said to Abraham, I will make your name great. I thought we are supposed to make his name great. Yes, we are. But how many of you know, God, I believe God says, I'm going to cause you to shine, and the Lord will set your, his fire, his glory on you, so that you can be a blessing. In other words, let me go back here real quick. If he's making us great, making our name great, so that by people seeing our life and our name, we can point people to God. We can point people to Jesus. Okay? How are you going to win people to the Lord if you your name is a shame? How are you going to how are you going to win people to the Lord if your name is a reproach? If, you know, if, if you're poor as a church mouse, if you if your name reflects something that nobody wants, how are you going to win people to that? Do people look at your life, your testimony, the message that you preach? And say, I don't want that. Okay, and I'm not talking about. Sin and whatnot, but there's a there just be there should be something about the people who live in Goshen and those who live in Egypt. 
There should be something different about the people of God. That even though people are indulging in all kinds of wickedness, when they peel back the onion, they're like, you know what, I want what you have. I have so many people through the years tell me that. I've had bosses at work and people I've worked with, even some of my enemies. In the midst of the strife, they would say, I want what you got. <laughs> they didn't like me, but they wanted what I have. Okay? And there's all kinds of different scenarios. But God says, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Why is he making our name great? So that we can be a blessing. It's not about us. It's not about fame, just for fame's sake. It's so we can be a blessing. Okay? I'm going to cause you to shine. The Lord will set you on fire with his glory. His glory, not your glory. Okay? Jesus even said it. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. You have the glory of God on you. We are marked by the glory of God. This will be another great serious teaching on talking about the glory of God. Okay. Again, going back to Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The priestly blessing. I want you to say the Lord bless you. I want you to say the Lord keep you. I want you to say the Lord make his face shine upon you. And I want you to say the Lord be gracious to you. Okay? We have the favor of God. And the favor of God is on my life. The favor of God is on my family. The favor of God is on my home. The favor of God is on my body. The favor of God is on my finances. The favor of God is on my ministry. The favor of God is on my business. And whatever he has called me to do, whatever I have set my hands to, which we talked about earlier in this message, I have the favor of God. You have favor with God. You have favor with man. And you have a good understanding. Jacob had favor with God. Joseph had favor with God. You have favor with God. His face shines on you. His grace is on you. His favor is on you. Thank God for his favor. Thank God for his goodness. We need to believe in his favor. We need to thank him for his favor. We need to speak his favor. The word of God has power in your mouth. And we're going to keep believing the word. We're going to keep speaking the word. We're going to keep going forward. We're going to keep believing God. We're going to keep believing his word. Because we are the people of God. I want you to say, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And I want you to say, the Lord be gracious to you. Last week we kind of cut it off here, and now we're going to hit the last phrase of this, this priestly blessing. It says, the Lord lifts his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I want to capture on this word peace. This word peace is shalom. And shalom means completeness, well-being. Tranquility, peace, safety. The word peace, shalom, means contentment, soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, and peace through covenant relationship. See, prosperity is part of it, but some people don't want to talk about prosperity. Well, it's included. Okay? 
The word shalom means all of these things. And if you know anything about the Jews, the word shalom is their greeting. Like when they're saying hello, they'll say shalom. When they say goodbye, they say shalom. It's their greeting and it's their benediction, if I can put it that way. In other words, the Jews are constantly speaking the blessing of God to one another. When they're coming and when they're going, the people of God, the Jews, are constantly blessing one another. They're constantly speaking well-being, tranquility, and safety. They're constantly speaking soundness, welfare, and health, and prosperity. They're constantly speaking of a peace or a covenant relationship with God. <coughs> and some people don't like the Jews, but they are blessed. And they are blessing one another continually. We can learn something from this. Okay? And it's based on this that I really want to capture in on this, on this morning. In the first, I want to split the rest of the morning in two halves. Uh, and uh, this is the first half I really want to focus on this word peace and shalom. Going back to Genesis, going back to Abraham. God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I keep saying that over and over again, and I'm not. And I apologize for that. I'm not going to stop saying that over again. We are blessed to be a blessing. And there is enough blessing for everyone to do well. I want you to hear that. There is enough blessing. There is enough wealth for everyone to do well. Okay? And I'm not talking about socialism here. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the priestly blessing. Okay? Going back to the priestly blessing... We are to speak, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. We are, and going back to Deuteronomy real quick, we are to, at the time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the Lord, to stand before him and to minister to him, to bless and to bless in his name to this day. We're supposed to bless in his name. Okay? Again, going back to the priestly blessing, we are to bless the, the priestly blessing. Verse 27 says, And so they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Earlier this year, we did a teaching on the seven redemptive names of God. I'm not going to go through all seven of those today, but I'm going to capture in on two of those as we're talking about shalom, peace. The first one is to Abraham, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is our provider. You can read about this in Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham was offering up Isaac. And this offering up of Isaac, I don't think it's just talking about finances when it's talking about he's our provider. I don't think it's excluding finances, but I don't think God's being our provider is just about finances even though I believe it includes finances. Because the scene that this name was given was Abraham was offering up Isaac, which to me was a typology of the cross. <coughs> Abraham gave up his own, offered up his own, own son, just like Jesus, God offered his own son, on the same Mount Moriah of Calvary, where a lamb was caught in a thicket which replaced Isaac. And Jesus is our lamb that replaced us from being offered up. Okay? And the, the gospel, and, and the Bible says that the gospel was preached to Abraham. The gospel was illustrated to Abraham as well. 
So this whole provision is not just talking about finances, even though it includes finances. It's also talking about the forgiveness of our sin. It's also talking about peace for your mind. It's also talking about healing for your body and prosperity for your needs. I believe Jehovah Jireh, the name of God, the Lord our provider, includes all of these things. But going back real quick, we're talking about and all these things that the priests are supposed to do, bear the ark of the Lord, minister to him, we are to bless in his name. And in Numbers chapter 26, 27, part of the priesthood's blessing, we shall put his name on the people, and God says he will bless them. His name is, he has a lot of different names, but one of those names is Shalom. He is also called Jehovah Shalom, not Jehovah, he's, yes, he's Jehovah Jireh, he's Jehovah Nisi, and, and many other names. <coughs> Excuse me. But you'll see about this name in Judges chapter 6 with Gideon, and the name Shalom means the Lord is our peace. And in Judges chapter 6, you'll read about how God made a covenant sacrifice. And as a fire came from out of the rock and consumed the sacrifice. And now of that, God reveals himself as Jehovah Shalom, for I am the Lord your peace, or your provider. With your mouth, you are the blessed the people of Israel. You're to bless the children of Israel. The priestly, the priest was to bless in his name and bless the children of Israel. And is his name among many names? Is his name not Shalom? Okay? Going back again, I want I want to drive this in. We are to bless in his name. And his name is Shalom. Are you hearing me? And shalom means tranquility, wellness, soundness of mind, healing, provision, health. I give you a whole list of things that shalom means. We are the blessed in his name. People ask you for prayer. Shalom. People are suffering. Shalom. Blessed in his name. People are even doing good. They're starting a new business. Shalom to your business, to the work of your hands. Bless their home. Bless their family. Bless their business. Bless their ministry. Bless them in the name of the Lord. We ought to say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we are to put his name on the children of Israel, and his name is Shalom. We are in the New Testament. I read it from Revelation chapter 5 and 9 and 10. We are priests. And from Peter, we are the priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. We are the priests of the Most High God, the great high priest Jesus Christ, who is our peace, who's our key to peace. He's our key to Shalom. And we are the blessed in his name. Again, peace and shalom is completeness, is well-being, tranquility, is safety, contentment, soundness, welfare, health, prosperity. It's a covenant relationship with God. We are the blessed in his name, and his name is shalom. We are the blessed them with a priestly blessing, putting his name on them, and his name is shalom. I'm driving this in. But this is what we have been ordained to do. Not just a fivefold ministry, but we are all of the priesthood of God. 
And we are to bless in his name. A priestly blessing. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our shalom. And we preach Jesus. We preach shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep his, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You know, it says in Psalm 35, 27, I just want to go off in this real quick. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous God. And let them say continually that the Lord be magnified who, uh, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I misspelled the word has. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God is pleasured that you are blessed. A lot of people don't like this word prosperity. Well, if you don't like this word prosperity, then you don't like what God likes. Because he, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I'm not just talking about wealth to be greedy. I'm talking about wealth to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And if you think about just me, not my four no more, you are selfish. You are blessed to be a blessing. Even Paul says in Ephesians, we work so that we can be a blessing to those in need. I'm paraphrasing that. I think it's Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. I could have the reference wrong. But we are to bless and we are to say continually let the Lord be magnified. Now we're not supposed to say this once in a while. We're not supposed to just say this when we feel like it. We're supposed to say it continually. Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. We're supposed to say it continually. We're supposed to magnify his name continually, blessing the servants and people of God. Shalom. When you, when you greet them, shalom. When they go away and you greet them with a benediction, shalom. When they're with you, shalom. God takes pleasure in your well-being. And you should take pleasure in other people's well-being. Why? You are the people of God. You are born of God. And God is in you. God wants to bless you. And God wants to make his face shine upon you. God wants to set his name upon you. And his name is Shalom. Among many other names. We're, we're, we're talking about this one right now. Okay? Yeah, I, can, I can repeat the same thing about any of the other names of God. But we're talking about this one right now. Right? That makes sense? He's your healer. He's your righteousness. He's your provider. He's your king. Okay? We are to say, and at that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the Lord, to stand before the Lord and minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. I keep repeating this because I want to drive this in. Okay, you can't say me, tell me today you didn't know what my message was about. Okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so they put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. God will bless us. We are to put his name wherever on the people of God. And his name is Shalom. Again, going back to Genesis is I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. God wants to make your name great. That sounds selfish, but it's not. God's doing it. 
And we as a priest are to put his name on one another. God wants to make you a witness. You're not going to be a very good witness if your name's not great. Okay? But God wants to make you a testimony. God wants to make your life an example of how he treats his kids, of how he treats his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his counsels upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, on the people of God, and I will bless them. We have peace. We have shalom. We have Jesus. We have completeness. We have wholeness. We have health. We have soundness. We have tranquility. God is with us. We have a covenant relationship with God. We have shalom. We have shalom. Amen? We are to put his name on the children of Israel, and he will bless them. God has put his name on his people. Let's just talk about name real quick. The word name is Shem in the, in the Hebrew. And it means reputation. It means representation. It means identification. It means fame. It means a memorial. I love that one. It means a monument. It means his glory. God is putting his glory on you. He's putting his memorial. <coughs> he is Jehovah Nisi. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Shalom. He's putting his name, his memorial. His reputation. God's putting his reputation. God's putting his representation on you. God's putting his identification. I'm identified with God. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. And I celebrate Christmas every year. God has put his name. We are baptized. Peter on the day of Pentecost says we are to be baptized into his name. In the name of Jesus. God has put his Fame on you. We are representing God. It is not. It is God's reputation that is on the, on the line, not yours. God's glory is on us. God's name is on us. We our lives are memorials of God, and our lives are testimonies of Jesus. Our lives are testimonies of God's covenant. Of our our lives are testimonies of God's priestly blessing. On us. I want to go back to these two. God, our lives are a testimony, a memorial of God's covenant. Our lives are a testimony, a memorial of the priestly blessing on our lives and our families. We find favor in the face of God. So we've been talking again about the covenant of blessing the last two weeks, the, uh, the first two weeks. And then this week and last week, we've been talking about the priestly blessing. Next week, we're going to go and talk about the commanded blessing. But I'm not quite done. This is the second half of the priestly blessing that I want to talk about today. So with that, let's go to Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, beginning verse 14, it says, And seeing then that we have a great high priest. We're not in the New Testament now. We're, in the, we're not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. I mean, you know, I've... What we just read was a priestly blessing from the Old Testament. How many know we are in a better covenant? We are in a new covenant. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has, he's talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, I'll just quote this verse, but this verse is in context of what we just read. We have a great high priest. Okay, we're talking about the priestly blessing. And because we have a great high priest who blesses us, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive, obtain what? Mercy in our time. Did you mess up? Or the reason why you need help is because you, you just made a big mess? You got mercy. And grace and help in your time of need. Okay? So what happens if we fall or fail? Get back up. Come boldly to your priest. Come boldly to your king. Okay? You mess up and we all have. Some of us have a bigger mess than others. Okay, you messed up. Get back up, he says in Isaiah 61, verse 7. Instead of shame, you shall have double honor. Okay? I'm not putting, I'm not, I'm not making light on sin. I'm telling you, Jesus crucified your sin. Your penalty, your punishment. I'm not saying sin's okay. I'm saying you need Jesus. Jesus paid for it. He paid for your sin. He paid for your penalty. And he's the one that can set your life back on a rock. And he said, there's many times I can preach a whole message on this. When God restores, he restores double. Instead of shame, we shall have double honor. There's many examples, especially in Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, where I can read, teach you about how God restores. He always restores double. And he was talking to a nation. He was talking to a people who had sinned against him horribly. And God said, I'm going to restore you like the gardens of Eden. Once again, your life might be a life of ruins. Maybe it's your own doing. Maybe it's your government. But you're not living for your government. You're living for God. Your government might be corrupt. Our government is corrupt in many different ways. But we are not submitted. We submit to our government to a certain level. But when it violates the word of God, we submit to God. And we are, we're not, our trust is not in our government. Our trust is in our God. We are the people of God. And your blessing is not limited based on how your government or anyone else is doing. Your blessing is dependent on your king, Jesus Christ, your high priest. So if you fail, get back up. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous, <coughs> for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. You are righteous if you are, you are the righteous God in Christ Jesus. That's Corinthians 5.21. And a righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. Okay? I'm not okay with sin, but we're not under sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are under his grace. Grace is not a license to sin. Titus 2.11 and 12. Grace will teach you to live godly. But how many of you know sometimes when we are being taught, we need some training? If you're going to ride a, you know, a child, first time he's going to walk, he's going to fall down. He might fall down seven times, but he's going to rise again. He's going to get this walking down. And you can't learn to walk until you first learn to crawl. And you can't learn to crawl until you first learn to sit in God's presence. A baby will learn to sit before it begins to crawl and walk. You need to learn how to sit in God's presence and be renewed and be refreshed and be <laughs> empowered 
so you can crawl and you can walk. You might fall, and I'm not okay with falling, but I'm not gonna, but I'm also teaching that's not where your story ends. That's where your story begins because you rise up again. Jesus is the author, and he is the finisher of your faith. He who began a good work in you will perform it. Philippians chapter 1. Okay? Hebrews 7. We're back in Hebrews, but let's move from chapter 4 to chapter 7. Verse 22. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. We've been talking a lot about the, the covenant of blessing and the priestly blessing from the Old Testament, but we have a surety of a better covenant. In the New Testament, Jesus is the guarantee of a better covenant. Jesus is our guarantee. Because God really made his covenant with Jesus. We are the beneficiaries of that covenant. Jesus was our testator. And we are the heirs of salvation. Okay? We can read all about this in Hebrews chapter 9. But when we fail, he doesn't fail. And when we're unfaithful, he is faithful. I'm not sweeping some sin under a carpet. I'm telling you, Jesus paid for your sin. Okay? Run to Jesus. Don't have a pity party. Get your thumb out of your mouth or your big boy. Go past that. And run to Jesus where you can receive mercy and grace in your time of need. He is faithful, and I'm banking my blessing, not on my unfaithfulness. I'm banking my blessing on his faith. It's a better covenant. It's an unconditional covenant. Okay? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 to 24. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. We're talking about the priestly blessing. And we have an everlasting covenant, but we also have an unchangeable priesthood. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore he, Jesus, is also able to say to the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is able to save us completely. Jesus is praying for us continually. And verse 26 says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Who does not need daily yet need daily as those who those high priests to offer sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's? With this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. This is so deep, if you can understand this. Yes, there's a law, but the word of the oath, most of us don't teach about this, but the word of the oath came after the law. This is New Testament, Hebrews 7, 28. The word of the oath came after the law and appoints the Son, Jesus, our great high priest, who has been perfected forever. Jesus is the guarantee, the surety of a better covenant. We just read about that in verse, I think, 22. Revelation 1, 6, John said, or Jesus said of John, and made a, I said that wrong, Jesus said in, in Revelation 1, 6, and John is quoting, and 
that Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God and Father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We also read in Peter. And we're going to continue, we're going to read in Peter here. I'm going to read several verses. I only read verse 9 earlier, but I'm going to read uh, the, the context right now. It says, You also, as living stones, are being built of a spiritual house. You know, I, I can talk forever on this. We are the house of God. We are the we are a tabernacle not made with hands. We are the house. We are the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of God. We are the John of Grace. We are the house of God. And we are living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is a great high priest. And we are a priesthood of believers. And when we minister to him, we find favor in his faith, and then we go bless in his name. We talked about this in, in, uh, in Numbers chapter 6. And again, going back to Deuteronomy, I'm going to come back to Peter. But we are to bear the ark of the Lord to stand before the minister of the Lord and bless in his name. And in Peter, we are also a priesthood, offering up spiritual sacrifice. I believe these spiritual sacrifices include these three things that we're supposed to. We're still offering the Ark of the Covenant, God's Covenant, a better covenant, the surety of a good covenant. We are offering Jesus, Shalom, Jesus, and we are ministering to Him and we are blessing people in His name. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3 that we are able ministers of the new covenant. We are living epistles of the new covenant. Okay? Let's move forward. Going back to Peter. First Peter chapter, five, chapter 2, verse 5. You are also living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy person to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, <coughs> it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him, Jesus, will by no means be put to shame. If you believe on Jesus, you will by no means be put to shame. That's the new covenant. Okay? Verse 7. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. You know, this whole disobedience, if you read the book of Hebrews, especially Hebrews chapter 2, 3, and 4, uh, the writer of Hebrews was talking about the, the, the unbelief that, caught, that prevented the children of Israel to enter into the promised land. Remember? The, the first generation who disbelieved God did not go, get to go into the promised land because they did not believe God. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, 3, and 4, God calls that disobedient. God calls that rebellion. And God calls that sin to not believe God. And if you don't, going back, if you don't believe on Jesus, you are disobedient. There's only two kinds of people, folks. There's believers and unbelievers. You're either saved or you're lost. You're either sheep or you're a goat. You're either born of the free woman or you're born of the bond woman. You're either a child of God or you're not. You either have Jesus or you don't have Jesus. When you stand before God one day, you're either going to stand before God in Jesus or you're going to stand before God in Adam. There's only two kinds of people, Adam or the last Adam, Jesus or man, flesh 
are born again. Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we know no man after the flesh, even Jesus Christ. We don't know him after the flesh. We are born again. We are born of God. What is Jesus, Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, what is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. Either you are born of God or you're not. And there's all, we, Paul even says in Corinthians that we, uh, um, we bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Okay? Your disobedience is those who do not believe in Jesus. And those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected. See that? That, that clarifies it even more. They're disobedient. Are we, what stone are the builders are they rejecting? They're, re, we're, they're rejecting the chief, chief cornerstone. Jesus! The disobedient are rejecting Jesus! That's what the disobedient is talking about. Okay? And the, and the stone of stumbling, the same cornerstone that they're rejecting. Paul talks about this at range also in Romans chapter, uh, the book of Romans. I'm not going to go into the chapter right now. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient, disbelieving to the word which they also were appointed. Verse 9. But you. He, he, went, he went a great range talking about the disobedient. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. His face shines upon you. We are shining. We are made of his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There's so much here. I wish I could go into more detail with this. Okay? But it says, and at that time, <coughs> excuse me, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name. We are the priesthood of God, a royal priesthood. And we are, and we, go back here, don't get dizzy at me, I'm going back and forth. We're to proclaim something. What are we supposed to proclaim? We are supposed to bless in his name. Just like God told Moses. I mean, all scripture is powerful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the people of God. Saying, The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. The priestly blessing. The priests were to come to minister to the Lord. They were to bless in his name. They were to find favor in his face. And then we were to take it to the world. This gospel. This Jesus. This cornerstone. We are to keep ministering to Jesus. We are to keep receiving from Jesus. And we are to keep speaking the words of blessing in his name. 
We are to take his favor to the world. We've been talking at length in the last two weeks about the priestly blessing. We've been talking about the covenant blessings the first two weeks and the last two weeks of priestly blessing. Starting next week, we're going to be talking about the commanded blessing of God. Okay, that's going to be our focus next starting next week. We're talking about this whole message about experiencing the blessing of God. We are blessed. And I don't know if you're getting my heartbeat. I don't know if you're getting the heartbeat of the scriptures I'm trying to bring out. Well, we've, we've read it a lot at length from the Old Testament, from the patriarchs, the book of Genesis. We basically, over the last few weeks, we, we, we looked at Genesis from, from the beginning with Adam all the way to how the book ends with Joseph. We've looked at many different things. We looked at the priestly blessing in Deuteronomy and also in Numbers. We looked at different scriptures in Hebrews and also in Peter, as well as the book of Revelation. And we are to bless people. We are to speak shalom over people. We're supposed to be experiencing ourselves. The Levites were experiencing the blessing of God too. They were blessing the people, but they were ministering to the Lord and bearing the ark. But they were blessed. We are all blessed. And you, you might be reading this one when it was for Israel. Well, Paul, Paul also talked about it. Not everyone who's of Israel is of Israel. We are spiritual Israel. And if you are of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This blessing is for you. And now that you're blessed as a, the priest of God and the priest of God under a great high priest Jesus, you are now supposed to take this blessing, this shalom blessing, and speak it and bless people your family, your business, whatever you've set your hand to. And going back real quick, next, next week, we're going to talk about it's a commanded blessing. God has commanded his blessing on you. Yes, going back even further, we have a covenant of blessing. That should be enough. The priestly blessing, we are supposed to proclaim that blessing on one another, even ourselves. And we are, God has commanded his blessing on us. It's commanded. You know, and is he king or not? He's our savior, yes, but he's also our Lord. And our Lord has commanded his blessing on us. This is awesome. And I don't know how we miss this. I don't know how we run, some of us run away from this. We speak against it. And so I want you to experience the blessing of God. Why do I want you to experience the blessing of God? One, I want you to know who your God is. Because I believe many of us, including myself to a measure, I am not experiencing all that God has for me. We are not. If we were, we would be seeing a big difference. I see a big, see, when I was growing up, it bothered me when I read stories about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, seeing them blessed and seeing how we were struggling. I'm like, well, how come they're doing better than we are? And how come they're in the old covenant and we're in the new covenant and they seem like they were doing better in the old covenant than we were doing in the new? Something backwards. And it's not God who's backwards, it's us. And we need to experience the blessing of God so that we can be a blessing. So that we, and, and so that blessing starts with us believing God's word and speaking it over our family. Some of you don't like your job, maybe you don't like your home, maybe you don't like your car. Maybe you don't like your government. There's some parts of our government I don't like, I'll be honest. Okay? But we are to 
pray for them. Are we praying for our leaders as much as we are complaining about them? Paul says to do otherwise. That's Paul, New Testament. And do you think Paul lived under a good Roman government? Paul's government, and is it not only was the, the Roman government corrupt, so was the religious government. It was corrupt too. And Paul told us to pray for our leaders. Okay? He didn't say, pray for your leaders if they're godly. Don't pray for them. We read all kinds of stories in the Old Testament how God even used people like Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus and other people to bring God's purpose. We are to pray even for wicked leaders. Okay? I'm not saying we submit to wicked leadership to a certain level, especially if they oppose the things of God. But we are also not revolting against them either. Uh, I mean, I don't see the, the apostles revolting against the government. I don't see Paul doing that. We're different. We're, we're going to preach the gospel in season and out of season. We're not going to apologize for it. We're not going to back down from it. We're going to pray for more boldness. But we're going to bless them. We're going to pray for them. And we're going to speak the gospel despite of all that going on. We're going to believe God. And we're going to be like the people in Goshen versus the people in Egypt. We're going to be different. And I was even saying this week, not only, not, I mean, not only did God spoke a blessing over the people of Israel when they, before they went, back in the days of when they went to uh, Egypt the first, in the first time because of Joseph. Years later, there was a new pharaoh that didn't, know, didn't even know who Joseph was anymore. But under Moses... Not only did the people of God leave Egypt, they took all the spoils with them. They stripped Egypt of that. They took all the blessing that God promised to Joseph, Israel took out of Egypt. They took the spoils. God will bless you. And we have the blessing of God. We, can, we need to experience the blessing of God. We need to be different. Where no matter where God put, where, where, even the world can treat us horribly, like they treat Joseph horribly, like Laban treat uh, <clears throat> Jacob horribly. But we are blessed, and I don't care what country you are in, what what the situation is, you are blessed by God. He's your God. Let God be true, and every man a liar. I am not the source of your blessing, but I speak. His blessing over you, over your life, over your job, over your country, your village, wherever you might be listening to. I speak the shalom, priestly blessing of God over you. He will bless you. He will bless. His beauty will beautify and establish the work of your hands, whatever that is. If you need to go collect all the, the jars from your neighbors and and collect oil. Maybe oil won't sell as much as it did back in that day. But maybe it's something. God can take whatever you have. God, you know, one of my favorite stories is when Jesus came into the boat of Peter's life. Before he was a disciple. Peter was a fisherman. He caught fish all night. He was tired. He was discouraged because he just spent all night fishing and caught nothing. He just finished cleaning the nets. He just finished cleaning shop. And Jesus said, go launch out again. And he just did it. He just did all this stuff for nothing. But he said, I love Peter's response. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And maybe you've been fishing. You've been fishing for years, for generations. 
and you're tired and discouraged. But I want to encourage you to go let down the nets again and get ready for a catch. And Peter caught such an amount of fish that he had to call in the other boats to come and, and, and to bring in the hall. And to, to Peter, catching fish was his business. It wasn't just food on the table, even though it couldn't, it probably was part of that. It was his business. I mean, could you imagine Peter going home to his wife and telling the, the biggest fish story he ever told? You won't believe it. We caught so much fish that all of our boats begin to sink and our nets begin to break. And so, I mean, I'm sure his wife's like, yeah, Peter, that's what a fish story. But it was true. And that didn't was enough. In, in John in chapter 21, after Jesus had, I mean, after Peter had denied Jesus three times, he was licking his wounds, feeling sorry for himself. He went back to his own fishing hole. And he was discouraged all alone. He just betrayed his master, his leader, that he was willing to die for. He cut off the right ear of one guy. He, he acted out of anger, but he, he got alone. That was, he, he, he was going to protect his leader. But he was feeling, I mean, he was just feeling downer than down. Some of you have made a mistake, and you're just like, my life is over. I, this guy came into my life at the same fishing hole, changed my life for three and a half years, and now I just ruined it. And, and one night before the cock crowed, crow, crow, I ruined it. I denied my master three times. And yet Jesus shows up again and tells him that this time, don't just let out the nest for a catch, but put it on the other side of the boat. Why are the fish different on the other side of the boat? He didn't have a big boat. He, I'm sure he didn't have a cruise liner. Okay? But he obeyed God's voice. He trusted God. And again, he caught a big load of fish. And anyway, I, I hope we just make sense to you. I want you to experience God's blessing wherever you are, whatever has happened. Even if it made a mess, even if you're living in a horrible government, you can experience the blessing of God. Why? Because you are the people of God. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.